0: Welcome to Episode 3 of Season 1 at 8 p.m. on this Sunday night, June 6, 2021. Why again on a Sunday night at 8 p.m.? This podcast was launched on Sunday, May twenty-third, 2021, on the 100th anniversary of the curtain going up on the Broadway play Shuffle Along, with music co-written between Noble Sissel and Yubi Blake. That's something to Google, Bing, or YouTube, or maybe even read a book. To our young listeners, reading is not only fundamental; it's enlightening. But first, how about some musical entertainment? In previous episodes, you heard my dad, Noble Sissel, sing a couple of songs, and my sister and I pointed out that the last in the last episode that his earnings from his 1921 song "I'm Just Wild About Harry." gave he and his partner, U.B. Blake, a comfortable life and helped send the Sissel children to private schools and college. It wasn't their 1921 rare recording of the song that did it. It was the popularity of the song for at least 40 years and performed by others that provided the greatest part of their royalty income. Here's an example of the Divine One, Sarah Vaughan, singing her rendition of I'm Just Wild About Harry this was recorded in 1967 on her album It's a Man's World it has nothing to do with Jane Brown listen to this Fall. But cannot, again do without he of Thank you, Sassy Saravon, one of the better voices of her time. Let's move the Sissel family to Indiana as We discussed in the last episode, Reverend George Sissel, my father's dad, had lost his wife after having three children. In 1888, he remarries a young lady named Martha Angeline, and they move that same year to Indianapolis, where he was assigned to a church, Simpson Chapel Methodist Episcopal. Now, later... They changed it to African Methodist Episcopal, but at the time it was Simpson Chapel, M.E. Church. Within a year, he had another child, this one, my dad, Noble, Sissel, born on July tenth, 1889. And by the year 1900, he had two additional children. So by that year, he had six children. Growing up in Indianapolis was somewhat a a challenge. The schools were still segregated. Indianapolis was a unique city at the time because it was also a stop on the Underground Railroad during those slavery years, and it was also a segregated town. Sometime later in the 20s, the uh, Ku Klux Klan pretty much took over Indiana and had a lot of influence of things happening in Indianapolis. Now, it was founded in 1821, and the name Indianapolis is actually the Native American term meaning Land of the Indians. But today we know it as Naptown, Circle City, home of the Indy 500. And also in 1910, Madam C.J. Walker founded her hair care products there and became America's earliest millionaire, black or white. But Noble grew up in those segregated schools, and by the time he got to the second grade, he faced his mother, who was a second grade teacher at school number 26, didn't have a name. And she was pretty strict. As a matter of fact, let me let you hear His words of one of the incidents of trying to be a model student in your mother's class. This is how bad young noble was. Quote, I was expected to be a model student. One day I threw my cap up in the air to catch it in the hall. I caught it all right from my mother and got my first whipping in school. Mama didn't play. Maman did not play. She always stressed importance of good diction and the skill of speaking in public. And under her guidance, he was able to actually win a first prize in oratorical contest when he was 12 years old. So Mother Martha was just as influential on his life as his father when Reverend Sissel got to Simpson Chapel, it had been founded in 1875 on the corner of 11th and Missouri streets. He took it through a, a building, rebuilding period of time, and by 1899, they started a fundraising, and they built a new church on the corner of 11th and Missouri, which was across the street from the former building. And as far as history shows that Simpson Chapel AME was there from 1899 to the 1950s, in my recent search looking for the building, I find it It had moved to a new site at 2900 North Capitol Avenue in Indianapolis. And when you do a Google search, you find a nice Beautiful little green space on that corner. The building no longer exists. Now, he he had been there for 17 years. His first 13 years, he was there as a pastor. But the last four years of his time in Indianapolis, he was a presiding elder in the Lexington, Kentucky district. And so he traveled quite a bit. Dad spent the first 14 years of his life there in Indianapolis And it was early in his life that the family realized he had a talent of singing. And from the age of five on, he was usually performing in his father's church. Changing the subject a moment, when I was doing my research on Simpson Chapel, it turned out to be there were two Simpson Chapels, one in Evansville. And I remember reading somewhere where My grandfather, Reverend George would go to Evansville. So I just assumed the church he took over was the one in Evansville that I learned later became a member of the United Methodist Church. And then when I went straight to those documents and websites, I'm looking at a Caucasian church. And then I come across a 1959 article that says they were just doing a big centennial celebration of Simpson Chapel, M.E., and all the big-name preachers were white in the article. And I'm saying, "Uh uh-oh, what happened to Simpson Chapel? So right away, I went to YouTube, found some music, and this is what I was going to play when I mistakenly thought it was the same church that Granddad Reverend Sissel was a part of. This is what I was going to play. I'm going to play it anyway. It's a just a thought from Uncle Ray and his Raylets. Sometimes I sit here in this chair, and I wonder. I wonder. So just to recap with the correct information on Simpson Chapel. It was founded in 1875. And my granddad, Reverend George, became the minister there in 1888, and they went into a rebuilding plan, and between 1899 and 1950s, the church was located at 2900 North Capitol in Indianapolis. Today, as I mentioned, it is now a beautiful green space on the corner of 29th and North Capitol. So there was a song in the show Shuffle Along that I played in the last episode where uh, my dad actually sang with Yubi. But in 1958, a gentleman by the name of Ridge Owen and his orchestra recorded Love Will Find a Way in a way that no one ever expected to hear it. But it showed the gift and the talent of Yubi Blake and his composition. Here is the Reg Owen orchestra playing Love Will Find a Way. now for an American history lesson associated with Noble Sissel and Indianapolis. So those of you who live in Naptown, pay attention. In 1874, there was a young man born named Sumner Alexander Furniss. And I know you all there in Indianapolis know where I'm going. This gentleman became a medical doctor. He received his early education in the local city schools, and then he enrolled at Lincoln University, which at that time was Lincoln Institute and HBCU. Just before his graduation in 1891, he was enrolled in medical school in the Medical College of Indiana, and in 1894, he received his medical degree. Not only did he just receive the degree, he ranked second in a class of 52 and was the only African American in that class. He competed in a rigorous exam given to 14 selected candidates from across the country. And with his results, he was able to serve as an intern at the Indianapolis City Hospital, becoming the first African American professional to serve at the hospital. At some time later, he opened a general practice, and continued for the next 50 years. His brother, Dr. Henry Furness, assisted him in his practice in the early years. In 1909, he founded the first African-American hospital in Indianapolis, Lincoln Hospital, where he served as chief surgeon until it closed in 1915. It was very rare for a black physician at the time to hold positions in any kind of medical association, but he did, the Indiana State Medical Society and the Indianapolis Medical Society. He was a state vice president of the predominantly black National Medical Association, and he was a lifetime member of the Flanner House in Indianapolis Settlement House and was a charter member of the Senate Avenue YMCA, serving as its first president. He was very active in Republican politics and he served as an Indianapolis City Councilman for four years, 1917 to 1921. As a side note, he was also the founder of the Iota Lambda Chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, but he was also a Prince Hall Mason and he helped create the Prince Hall Lodge and a sickle cell research center both of which bears his name. Dr. Furniss is a legend in Indianapolis. At the time of his death, the newspaper did an extensive obituary because he touched the lives of so many people. Now, what has this got to do with Noble Sissel? I go back to Dad's written words. Here we go. Quote, When I was old enough to drive, I guess it had to be 14, I worked for... Dr. Sumner Furniss, our family physician. I was his office boy and was expected to dress up as I drove him to his house calls. He had one of the first automobiles I can remember, I believe it was an Oldsmobile, that cranked up like a coffee grinder, which he had bought from his close friend Carl Fisher, who built as everyone there knows, the Indianapolis Speedway, end of quote, end of six degrees of separation. So there you have Noble Sissel's formative years in Indianapolis on a film strip that he provided some dialogue to that we played parts of it in episode one, I believe, of the Guidance Associate set of film strips titled Profiles in Black Achievement, Dad mentioned one little excerpt about his impression of Indiana as he reflected back. By this time, he is in his 80s on this interview that became a part of the film strip, and he reflected back on Indiana as it was in terms of African Americans living there in the late 1800s through the first 10 years of 1900. And these are his words. I'll just give you an excerpt of what he said. Indiana was a prejudiced state to a certain extent, but I think sooner than most of the states down in that part of the country, it was more or less uh, less prejudice shown. Overall, he believed he had a great experience there because his mother was in the school system and guided him pretty much through the segregated classes. But he was born there, so he didn't know any difference. But his life experiences led him to integrated schools, which you'll see in the next couple of episodes when he's actually in Cleveland attending high school and that experience. Oh, by the way, this is June. So this is, well, it used to be called Black Music Month. It's now called African-American Music Appreciation Month. So happy African-American Music Appreciation Month. By the way, uh, Jimmy Carter signed that into order uh, back in 1979. I'm sure that following president changed that around a little bit, but we still celebrate June as Black Music Month. Thank you very much. This episode is a bit short than our 30-minute goal, but we want to go into concrete items that really don't need to be belabored. They came, they saw, they went, and... They thrived. The next few episodes will take you through his growth and maturation in Cleveland. However, we're going to change up some of the episode formats by skipping around because we could be here for the next two years getting him out of Cleveland if we just went through a timeline. Instead, we'll go through the timeline slowly, but we'll come in with some extraneous items that are not only informative but hopefully entertaining, with some interviews from uh some noteworthy folks who know of noble Cecil's achievements and what he was a part of, there are not many people around who said, "I heard your dad play you know his orchestra when they came to town in thirty seven but there are so many items to talk about relating to the history of African Americans. In this country, not only in the entertainment cultural field, but just being citizens and trying to still make our way through the challenges that we have every day. And I'm not even talking about COVID. I'm talking about just being black in America. Our history lessons hopefully will entertain you, but also show you how things are pretty much linked. And Noble Sissel had a unique life where he he rubbed shoulders with politicians, black and white. He had opinions on different things that were occurring in this country. And he also entertained actually kings, prince, presidents. But it was the common person that knew him, saw him, got to speak with him, and realize he had that common touch. So we're going to close this out with his, uh, his words and under song as we close out each time. And we hope that you've enjoyed this abbreviated episode. And hopefully we're leaving you wanting more and more. Thanks again for listening. This is Noble Cecil Jr., by the way, signing off with my dad. Hope we'll all be ready when the great day comes and the saints come marching in. Well, this is Nova Cecil signing off. i can like to give credit to my son, Nova Sissel Jr., who is my assistant in putting this story together. I'll be ready, I'll be ready. Yes, good Lord, I'll be ready when the great day comes. I'll be ready, I'll be ready. Yes, good Lord, I'll be ready when the great day